the scripture for this evening uh, is 2 Corinthians 5, 11 to 21. And um, I'll read it. Since then we know that it is to fear the Lord. What it, since we know, since, since then, I can't see very well. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. What we are is plain to God, and I hope it is also plain to your conscience. We are not trying to commence, commend ourselves to you again, but we are giving you an opportunity to take pride in us so that you can answer those who take pride in what is seen rather than what is in their heart. If we are out of our mind, some of you didn't say amen. <laughs> so if we are out of our mind, as some say, <laughs> it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all die. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he was committed to us, and he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. Ron? It's good to be with you tonight. Everybody hear me? Okay. Um, it's a privilege to follow Pastor Dave. And it uh, seems like I've been following him this last year, uh, not only here in the pulpit tonight, but uh, as hospice chaplain. And uh, before I retired from the pastoral ministry, I had no plans to be hospice chaplain, but uh, with a little guidance from Dave and from the Lord, uh, I ended up there. But uh, since Dave mentioned this earlier, I uh, do want to thank him and uh, he and uh, Reverend Gaiman, the others that he mentioned, left quite a legacy up there and really blazed the trail in, uh, in establishing the hospice ministry and program. And uh, what a wonderful job. And uh, Dave's influence, his impact, continues to be felt. And uh, I continue to rely on his, his expertise and knowledge as uh, he left a book there for me. And his mother... <laughs> now, he didn't tell me to put in a plug for that book, but... But uh, everything you want, well, not everything, but a lot of things you want to know about, uh, about uh, bereavement and grief. Uh, he uh, owe a lot to him, and all, the whole hospice community owes a lot. So thank you, Dave. Um, my wife uh, said to me tonight, uh, do you remember how to tie your tie? And I haven't been wearing a coat and tie to 
worship because I'm not up front preaching anymore, so I'm taking little liberties with my dress. But uh, I said, yeah, I remember how to, how to do it. So uh, good to be with you here tonight. Spring is a time that we celebrate new life, and I think most of us look forward to spring, time when uh, we get rid of all that cold and snow, and we, uh, a new life is appearing all around us as we see the robins again and the, uh, the uh, daffodils and crocuses springing forth. And pretty soon, uh, some buds are already on, on the trees, and pretty soon we'll be mowing grass. Some of you may not be looking forward to that, but uh, I, I sort of look forward to that because everything's green, and you get out there and enjoy the outdoors. New life usually brings joy, and uh, joy, whether it be the joy of springtime or the joy of a new baby, new life coming into the world, there are those times when new life or living a new life can be, can be uh, difficult and even painful. And I'm thinking of times like uh, when we lose a loved one, someone close to us, and uh, then we have to, uh, we, we sort of have new life forced upon us that we don't want. And we, uh, we struggle. We struggle to, to live without our loved one, to develop those new New, uh, new routines in life, uh, putting our energies into new friendships maybe, things like that, but uh, learning to live life, like beginning life all over again. Part of our life has died. Our theme tonight is new life through the cross, through the power of the cross of Jesus. And it says in 2 Corinthians 5, if anyone is in Christ, uh, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. Through faith in Christ, we have the power to, 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 to live a new life, to die to our sinful and selfish nature and to live a new life. In some ways, I think that's like the joy of springtime, the joy of the new life in springtime. It's it's a joyous thing to, to uh, know God and to know his salvation and to know his forgiveness and his love and to have his peace and presence in our hearts. Uh, that's a joyful thing, the joy of new life in Christ. But in other ways, uh, it could be difficult and painful learning to live that new life that Christ wants to give us. Because it involves death, doesn't it? It involves the death of that old self and that old, the sinful nature, the sinful part of us. That can be difficult and that can take time because uh, those old ways of thinking and acting, the, the, the old attitudes of our heart, the, the old ways of seeing ourselves and others, uh, that old nature wants to hang on and, uh, resists that new life that, that Christ wants to give us. The death of the old self and the putting on of the new uh, might be difficult and it might even seem impossible at times if it weren't for Jesus Christ and the power of his cross. We don't die alone. We die with Christ. Isn't that what the scripture says? One died for all and all died with him. 
Chuck Swindoll tells the story of a story that came from a medical center, the Kajabi Medical Center in Kenya, uh, that sent personal greetings to a particular church, and uh, they included uh, this amazing story about an eight-year-old girl named Monica. And uh, Monica fell into a pit in Kenya. She fell into a pit and broke her leg. And along came Mama Najiri, is how they, what they called her, Mama Najiri, an older woman who uh, climbed into the pit to, to help Monica out. And in the process, both of them were bitten by a dangerous uh, black mamba snake. Monica was uh, taken to the hospital and admitted. <clears throat> Mama Najiri went home and she never woke up. Now there was a missionary nurse at the hospital and uh, she explained to Monica what happened and she said, the snake bit both you and Mama Najiri, but bit Mama Najiri first and expended all its poison in Mama Najiri and, and uh, uh, so there wasn't any poison left when the snake bit you. And that missionary nurse used that as an opportunity to explain about Jesus dying for our sins and she said uh, to Monica, the eight-year-old girl, she said, uh, Jesus took the poison of our sin upon himself so that we could live and live forever. And so uh, Monica, uh, Monica prayed to receive Christ there in the medical center in the hospital. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who had no sin became sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. In other words, God poured the poison of our sin into Jesus on the cross. And he pours his righteousness into us the moment we receive Christ into our hearts. He makes it possible, Christ makes it possible for us to die to the old life and to live the new life that he gives to us through the power of the cross, the power of his love and grace, we can become that new creation in Christ. I want to uh, briefly mention three characteristics of that new life in Christ from 2 Corinthians 5. Uh, first of all, we are given a new motive for living, a new motive for living. 2 Corinthians 5, 13 and 14, that... Uh, Dave read for us, uh, if we are out of our mind, as some say, it is for God. If we are in our right mind, it is for you. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. There were false teachers in Paul's day who were preaching the gospel for what they could get for themselves in the way of popularity or money. Uh, they were concerned only about getting ahead. Their motives were not true or pure. They were telling people, apparently, that uh, Paul and his companions were out of their mind. At one time, maybe our motives were something like that. Uh, maybe our main motives for living were what we could gain for ourselves, whether it be popularity or pleasure or money or getting ahead, success. Maybe sometimes that still seems to be the motive in our lives. And maybe even some of the good things that we did or do uh, are done because we want to be seen by others or for some other motive that's not true. 
But in Christ Jesus, through the power of the cross, we find new motives for living. What were Paul's motives for living, as he says here in 2 Corinthians 5? What were his motives for living the Christian life and preaching the gospel? One motive was the fear of the Lord. Some might be surprised to hear that. But uh, he says in uh, verse 11, Since then we know what it is to fear the Lord, we try to persuade others. True, there is an unhealthy fear of the Lord that some have. Uh, Some are afraid that if they make a mistake or stumble, uh, uh, God's not going to forgive them. Some are afraid to come near to God or to come into his presence because uh, they think of God only as a harsh, judgmental God, not as a merciful God. Some think that they're not good enough to come into the presence of a holy God, that they're not worthy enough to come to church even. But that's not the way that God wants us to fear him. There is a healthy fear of God, a fear that can motivate us to do what is right and to avoid evil. If you think of that parent when you were young, maybe a dad or a grandpap who uh, Uh, took his belt off on occasion you know they used to do that back in those days (laughs) and that fear that fear uh, kept you in line call it respect if you want don't like the word fear but uh, that kept you in line many kept me in line many times I know that fear can motivate us to uh, do what is right and avoid evil or think of that teacher in school whose discipline you feared you respected that teacher Or the policeman on the road when you uh, think about uh, speeding or uh, going above the speed limit, uh, the fear that policeman around the corner might keep you obeying the law. If there was more of this kind of fear of the Lord, I don't think we'd see many of the things happening that the people are doing in the world and around our, our nation But for us, as the people of Jesus Christ who know Jesus, I believe the primary motive for living should be what he mentions there in verse 14. The love of Christ compels us. His love for us that was demonstrated on the cross should be what guides us in our daily living. I don't want to grieve the one who gave his life for me the one who loves me like that. When it comes to obeying the speed limit, I have a greater motive for obeying that speed limit than fear of the policeman. It should be my love for others when I'm driving through a neighborhood and a child might run out in front of me or I might have to come to a quick stop somewhere. It's my love for others that should be my motive. Not only don't I want to grieve the Lord in the way I live, but I want to become like him. I want to love and serve others the way he did. Ephesians 5, verses 1 and 2 says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Through the cross of Jesus, through faith in him, I have that power to live with each day with a new motive, to love others as he has loved 
us. We're given a new motive for living life through the power of the cross. Secondly, we're given a new master in life, aren't we? We're given a new master, 2 Corinthians 5.15. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. As I was reading that verse to a hospice patient in his home the other day, I said, I want to read to you something I believe is the true meaning of Easter. The life I live, I live no longer for myself, but for him who died for me and was raised again. At one time, I may have lived the way I wanted to or did what I wanted to do, not giving much thought to uh, what God wanted of my life or what was pleasing to him. In many ways, I was my own master. In Ephesians 2, 1 to 3, uh, Paul, the Apostle Paul, describes it this way. He describes the old life, the way of the world, the way of sin. He said, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of God's wrath. <clears throat> when we were following uh, the ways of this world, living to satisfy our own selfish, sinful desires, when we're living that way, how easy it is to uh, mess up our lives and to, to hurt others. How easy it is even to become slaves of those sinful desires. At our, uh, we had a Living Free or Living with Hope rally last uh, a week and a half ago at Nanaglo. And uh, that Living Free or Living with Hope is a group that we're, we're, uh, we're trying to uh, help individuals and families fight the battle against addiction, fighting the battle against drugs. And we heard a testimony there that night uh, from a woman who had lost her son. Her son had died of an overdose. And uh, she read a poem that night. Sister Arlene remember that poem, but uh, I'm not going to read the whole thing to you, but just wanted to read uh, three or four verses of the poem she read. Uh, the poem's called, I Am Heroin, although it does mention another uh, drug by another name here. Uh, I have many names, but there's one you know best, I'm sure you've heard of me. My name is Crystal Meth. My power is awesome. Try me, you'll see. But if you do, you may never break free. Just try me once and I might let you go, but try me twice and I'll own your own soul. When I possess you, you'll steal and you'll lie. You'll do what you have to just to get high. You'll regret that you tried me. They always do. But you came to me, not I to you. You knew this would happen many times you were told, but you challenged my power and chose to be bold. You could have said no and just walked away. If you could live that day over, now what would you say? I'll be your master. You will be my slave. I'll even go with you when you go to the grave.
The author is not uh, known, I think she said, but uh, very, very sad and moving poem, uh, even more moving when it was read by a mother whose life had been touched by, by addiction. Like drugs, sin can enslave us, sin can control our lives and become a cruel master that ruins our lives. But the good news is, Ephesians 2, 4, and 5, uh, following up what I read uh, a few moments ago, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Now we can live life as one who, uh, we can live as one who has been brought to life in Christ, to new life. A life that's no longer all about me, but a life that's of serving Christ as my Lord and my Savior and Master. Offering myself to Him every day. Not only my actions, but my thoughts, my desires, every part of me seeking to yield my will to his will. Are those thoughts that you have and the words that you say each day and uh, what you do, are they, are they pleasing to the Lord? Are they pleasing to Christ Jesus? By the power of his grace and his living presence, we can change masters and live a new life that gives glory to God each day. Praise God. In Christ, we can, we can live with new motives. We can live with a new master in life. And then finally, thirdly, uh, life takes on new meaning in Christ. We are given a new mission, if you will. 2 Corinthians 5, uh, 18 to 20. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us this message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. The, mis the mission and message of Jesus Christ becomes our mission, our message in life. And what was his mission and message? He came to reconcile us with God, to God, uh, to do away with that enmity that stood between us and God, that kept us separated from him, that kept us from having a close relationship with God. Christ did that by blotting out our sins with his blood. That's those sins that separated us from the Father. That was his mission. And his message was, be reconciled to God. God loves you so much that he sent me, Jesus, as his, his only son into the world that you might not perish but have eternal life. You can have a new life that doesn't end at physical death simply by believing in me, Jesus said. That was his mission and his message, and that becomes our mission and message when we live for the Lord Jesus. We become part of his church.
we share in that message and mission with other believers in Christ, such as those who are here tonight. We are ambassadors, his ambassadors in the world, representing him, our King and Savior, in all that we do, striving to bring others to Jesus Christ, that they too might know his saving love and live for him. I want to end uh, tonight, uh, Dave mentioned earlier about the, uh, that uh, legacy, those good things that have been passed down the, through the hospice, through, through Dave and others. And uh, 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 that's what I think, uh, when I think of the church and our mission and message and those who have gone on before us, they leave that legacy, they, they uh, pass that, those good things on to us. They pass Jesus on to us, and, and we keep passing that on to others, and they to others. David Jeremiah, in his book, uh, Overcomer, I uh, just finished reading that book, but uh, he mentions a story in there that's from another book. It's from uh, Just for a Moment I Saw the Light by John Duckworth, a writer, a writer John Duckworth. But uh, John Duckworth tells the story in his book about uh, when he was three years old. When he was three years old, uh, his dad took him to Mrs. Loeffler's Sunday school class at the First Presbyterian Church in Flushing, New York. And uh, little Johnny didn't want to go. He didn't want to go. He was three years old and he'd never been there. And uh, he was uh, putting up a fuss about this, and uh, when they got to the door of the, the uh, church or the classroom, he was clinging to his dad's leg, and he threw a fit. He didn't want to go in. But Mrs. Loeffler, the Sunday school teacher, came to the rescue. She came out the, the door and said, uh, said to his dad, why don't you come in and stand at the back of the classroom with him, or, or in the room where little Johnny is, and Johnny sat up front. And so uh, they did this. They, they came, and uh, little John, uh, he, he listened with interest, and, and uh, uh, another person listened with interest, his dad, uh, who was standing at the back of the room. And this, this went on for a few Sundays. And uh, see, his dad didn't want to be there either. <laughs> it was his wife who suggested that he take their little son to, to Sunday school. And uh, he was actually an agnostic, according to John. His dad was an agnostic, but he listened. And uh, uh, John Duckworth says, uh, it's funny, he said, there, there was a dad and a son in, the, in this room full of light. And they couldn't escape. <laughs> the dad was trapped by his son, and the son was trapped by his dad in the back of the room. But... This went on for a few Sundays, and uh, the teacher would tell the Bible story through her flannel graph. And, and uh, then one Sunday, she told the most important story of all. Uh, the story, through her flannel graph, she told the story of how Jesus died for our sins. And uh, he came to save us from our sin, and that he rose from the dead, that we could live forever and have new life, eternal life. And and uh, John says the room was really full of light that day. A few months later, John's dad, uh, John's dad walked fully into the light as he gave his life to Jesus. 
uh, the Sunday school teacher, Mrs. Loeffler, didn't know that. Not right away. She didn't find out till a couple years later when uh, Johnny's dad told her the story of what was going on in the back of her classroom, unbeknownst to her. The Lord changed lives. Uh, John's dad became a pastor, and John became a writer and uh, editor and illustrator of, in Christ, of Christian books. John Duckworth, maybe you've seen his name. Lives were changed because of the faithfulness of that one Christian lady in sharing the good news in her Sunday school class. Because one lady volunteered to teach a class of three-year-olds in the, in the Sunday school, in the church. She had no way of knowing at the time the impact that she would have on lives and other lives and other lives that will be changed on down the line. I say to you in closing, live with Christ's love as your motive for living. Yield your life to him as your master each day. Let your mission be to live and proclaim the message of reconciliation. By the power of his cross, live that new life that God has called you to live. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you. We thank you so much for those who, uh, those who have uh, had an impact on our lives, who have been an example for us to follow, who have uh, let their light shine so faithfully to us and to others, to this community. And Lord, we thank you that we are here today, that we are worshiping you and praising you and that we can know you as your love, as our Lord and Savior. And we thank you, Lord, for, for all those who have gone on before us and will come after us. We pray that we may let our light shine so faithfully to them. And Lord, we thank you that by it is all by the power of your cross and your resurrection that we can live that new life and that we can let our lights shine and that we can have an impact far beyond what we could ever imagine in the lives of others. We thank you, Lord, and we praise you. All glory be to your name, Lord Jesus. Give us a blessed... We thank you for these Lenten services we've had the past few weeks and... Uh, Lord, we pray that uh, this congregation here and all the congregations in our community, your church, Lord, may uh, have a blessed and glorious Holy Week and Easter season and that we may see many lives uh, changed and that you may make a difference in many lives through the power of your cross, through your living presence. In Jesus' name, amen. <laughs> oh, thank you, Walk away with your microphone. <laughs> yeah. Just don't go home with it, that's all. That's right. Right. <laughs> so we're grateful for, for you being here this evening and how that um, we're all connected. <laughs> I um, spoke on a puzzle, you know, used the puzzles and illustration, gave everybody a, a piece. But 
there are connectors and there are receivers. And our connections to our puzzle, everyone has a piece, but nobody has it all together. <laughs> you know? So we all have a piece. And with those connectors, we don't know how far out the puzzle's going. You know, Reverend Gaiman in 1980 had no clue we'd be here today, but somehow we went and started volunteering. <laughs> and that's how we got in the hospital and the hospice and all the things that followed. And um, so that little connection that I had with Reverend Gaiman and he had with my family has made a great influence on our whole community. And thousands and thousands of people throughout Johnstown region through hospice and things. So you don't know what your connector will mean years from now. So be open, be gentle, be loving, be forgiving, and we'll see how God just connects us to other people. Amen? Amen. God bless you. Amen. <laughs>